Good morning, everybody. My name is David Cassidy. I'm the pastor at Christ Community Church in Franklin, Tennessee. Tremendous privilege to come to you today and bring God's word to you. I was uh, so honored that Bryce asked me to do so and a joy to serve you today as you're serving the Lord. And I hope that what we uh, do together today in God's word will be an encouragement to you in this um, really remarkable season of both suffering and opportunity in each of our lives and in the work of the church. So I want to read to you today um, from Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45, and uh, then we'll pray together. So let's listen to Mark chapter 1. A leper came to Jesus, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it, and he spread the news so that Jesus could no longer enter a town, but was out in desolate places. But people were coming to him from everywhere. And that's God's word. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the king of the lepers, that you are the one who reaches into our lives in our brokenness and lostness that you are willing to cleanse us and because you are willing we will be cleansed thank you that you speak your word of life to us and we pray that in our time together in these next few moments you will be speaking to our hearts and minds and for this we pray and give you thanks it is in your mighty name and for your name's sake that we ask it amen and amen this is a season, as I mentioned, of immense suffering. That suffering is manifold. Uh, we are at 110,000 plus people who have perished as a result of COVID-19. There's been tremendous economic upheaval and uncertainty remains in that regard for many, many people. And there's been tremendous pain and suffering in our African-American community year after year after year and the explosive events of the violence that has recently been recorded and shown to many people has resulted in many people taking to the streets and people feel the pain of that moment as well. And we realize, of course, that we have in our lives as well moments of suffering and pain. And we long for the Lord to step into these places. And I sometimes hear Christians wondering where God is in it. I talked with a friend just a couple of days ago who said to me in a time of real suffering and pain, he asked God to step in and heal him and God did not. And he struggled with whether or not to even continue to believe in God because of that experience. It's one that's understandable. Thomas Merton said, sometimes no explanation is sufficient to account for suffering. The only decent thing is silence and the sacraments. Well, yes, because like Job's friends, we can sometimes step into where other people are suffering 
and offer counsel which is unwise. The best counsel that Job's friends gave him was their silence as they simply sat with him, as they wept with him over all that he had lost. But suffering people have always come to Jesus and in this text we find one who is in immense suffering, a man with leprosy, come up to Jesus. And the scriptures say here that Jesus moved with pity or moved with compassion reached towards that man. It's that word for pity or compassion that I want to bring to your attention here for just a few minutes this morning. It's a very unusual word. It's kind of one of those, when it rolls off your tongue, a kind of fun word in a way. It's memorable. It's the word splagsnitzomai. Now, normally I don't drag Greek words out into sermons, but on this particular occasion, because this word is kind of fun, kind of gutsy, it's appropriate. Splagsnitzomai. It's a word which pity doesn't quite capture. Compassion itself doesn't quite get there. It's a word that describes something down in the gut. He was overturned in his guts with what he saw. He was aghast. He was moved to action. He was both horrified and lovingly drawn. This was not simply a moment of tenderness, but almost kind of violent, visceral reaction in Jesus to the suffering that was right in front of him. I need you to know today that that is what happens in the heart of God in the face of our pain and in the face of our suffering. It is because God is the father of us all and when his children suffer, he is in pain with them. My oldest is grown now and married, but when he was very small, he suffered a great deal physically. And we can remember one particular time when he was only a little over two years of age, he was hospitalized and the doctors came in and said, well, we're going to do a spinal tap here on Sean, our youngest. And we said, okay, um, we'll hold, we'll, we'll stay here. We'll hold his hand. And they said, no, 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 no. You're going to have to go down the hall and wait there. We can't have you in here. We're like, well, 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 no, surely that'll be a comfort. And they said, well, your presence could be a comfort, but in fact, the pain is so great for him in this particular procedure that it would be best for you if you were down the hall. So this is what we always do with all parents. And so we were escorted down the hall into a waiting room and there we sat and we prayed together, my wife and I, and then we heard his cries. We heard the cries of our son in pain and we wept. Our hearts, our guts were torn up. That's part of what's happening in the heart of God. It's what's happening in the heart of Jesus. It's what we feel when we see suffering and injustice and pain in our world. We are torn up on the inside. And that's what's happening for Jesus in this passage as he beholds this suffering, this leper who comes to Jesus. Leprosy in this particular culture meant this affliction, this skin disease. It came in many different forms. It meant that people were forced to live outside of their community. There were particular ways in which they had to identify themselves to 
anybody else who might be around. They had to wear torn clothing. They had to leave their hair unkept. They had to cover the lower part of their faces with a cloth. And of course, as many people know, they had to cry out if they were around anybody else, unclean, unclean. So that their dress, their appearance, their features, their voice warned everyone, stay away from me. They were not allowed in the synagogue, not allowed in the temple, not allowed to be with their family members anymore. They were ritually cut off. They were relationally cut off. They were economically impoverished. They were socially stigmatized. There was no more marginal person in Israel than the leper. They were dead to faith and dead to family and dead to community. It was quite literally a living death. And in the Bible, it's the disease which is more often than not associated with our sin. Leprosy and our sin go together. It is a disease. It was regarded in the Old Testament in particular that only God could heal. When Naaman the leper in the Old Testament comes uh, from, from the Assyrians to be healed, he appears before the king of Israel and he says, am I God that I should heal the leper? Of course, he eventually is sent to Elisha where miraculously he's cleansed. But listen to the words of the king, am I God that I should heal the leper? Only God can cleanse this. This idea of leprosy and sin runs in a line in various places in the text of Scripture, perhaps most unexpectedly and most famously, but not always people are aware of it, in the book of Isaiah. In chapter 1 where it says, Come let us reason together, says the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Well, there's a kind of double entendre going on there. Most people hear that and they go, oh, well, I have this um, stain from sin, but God could wash it clean. But in fact, it's a leprosy reference. It's in Isaiah. Isaiah began his prophetic ministry under King Uzziah, the leper king. He, filled with great pride, walked into the Holy of Holies and he was struck with leprosy and he lived in a, a separate place the rest of his life until he died. It's in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah says that I saw the Lord high and lifted up. He began his ministry under the leper king and in the very first start of his ministry he says, hey, Israel, Judah, though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. Scarlet meaning it started off as just a, a red spot, but if it wasn't dealt with, you became white as snow, white with leprosy. In other words, we sometimes think that a sin is something we can tame, something we can handle. This is um, not going to really harm us or hurt us, but if we make our sins are pets. They will, like the person who decides to raise a bear cub, find themselves eventually surrounded by a ferocious creature. That red, scarlet will turn into something around the skin and over their lives as white as snow. They're covered with leprosy. So it's not just a, a, a promise of cleansing. It's a warning of what can happen if we leave these things undealt with. One of the most beautiful passages in the Chronicles of Narnia 
uh, in the Voyage of the Dawn Treader involves uh, Eustace. A uh, great quote in that. There was a boy named Eustace Clarence Scrub, and he almost deserved it, wrote Lewis about Eustace Clarence Scrub. He was a very unpleasant boy. He was not liked by any of the other folks among them, and he, um, of course, was greedy and envious, and you know the story, if you've read the books or seen the movie, that Eustace decides to take up with a dragon. He wants the treasures of the dragon, and he goes to sleep in the dragon's lair. But the problem with laying down with a dragon is that you become dragon-like. And he wakes up to discover that the scales of the dragon are now on him. There's a whole series of events that go on following this in which he makes his old friends, who he has not treated well, aware that this terrible thing has become of him. Aslan, the great king, comes on the scene and he shows him this beautiful pool of water in which, if he's plunged, he will be cleansed. That skin, those scales will fall away and he will be healed. But to get into that water, he has to rip this skin off first. He can't. He can't. He tries to tear it off and he can't get there. And then the lion said, you will have to let me undress you. I was afraid of his claws, I can tell you, but I was pretty nearly desperate now. So I just lay flat down on my back and I let him do it. He describes the claws of the great lion king Aslan coming into those, those scales and ripping away so that he can get into the pool and have a new life. The very first tear he made was so deep that I thought it had gone right into my heart. And when he began pulling the skin off, it hurt worse than anything I've ever felt. The only thing that made me able to bear it was the pleasure of feeling the stuff peel off. Well, he peeled the beastly stuff right off, and there was I as smooth and soft as a peeled switch and smaller than I had been. And then he caught hold of me, and that was uncomfortable, of course, because this fresh skin is there, and he feels the the, the pain of just being held, and then he is plunged into the water, and he emerges, no longer a dragon, but a boy, again, renewed in relationship, renewed in life. This leper came to Jesus, and Jesus was moved within him. Splagsnitzamai. He was churned up on the inside at the sight of what had happened. You can imagine the scene. This man whose life had been devastated and wrecked by this terrible affliction, as he moves towards Jesus. Jesus is surrounded by his disciples. There's a crowd of people around him here in Mark chapter 1. What would have happened as a leper saying, unclean, unclean, moves towards Jesus? That, <laughs> that crowd would have parted like the Red Sea backing up. They didn't want to be anywhere near that leper. They, if they touched him, if he touched them, they would become unclean and they knew they risked infection themselves. They didn't want any part of that. They're backing away. Here comes this man towards Jesus. Does Jesus back away? No. He looks at the horror of the situation, the terrible atrocity that has come upon this man. 
And Jesus does not back away. And this man moves towards Jesus. It is the movement towards Jesus by the leper that I want you to notice. Verse 40, a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. This is an act of desperate faith. It's not the last time desperate faith will show up in Mark's gospel. As you read through Mark, you find people who are desperate, a woman with an issue of blood reaching through the crowd to take hold of Jesus' garment. The Syrophoenician woman whose daughter is afflicted and coming to Jesus and just saying, "Uh, I, I just want the crumbs from the table. There are desperate people. And there are desperate people listening right now. You may feel desperate. And you know desperate people. God's heart towards our desperation is not to turn away, but to receive us. The movement of the desperate heart towards Jesus is an act of faith that is initiated by the Holy Spirit in the soul of people who are afflicted. And this man's desperate faith was met by Jesus' deep compassion. Look at the movement of Jesus to the leper. We've noticed the movement of the leper to Jesus. Look at the movement of Jesus towards the leper. Look at verse 41. Moved with pity, splagnitzomai, torn up on the inside, that deep visceral reaction. What does Jesus do? He stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. As this man is kneeling before him, Jesus does not back up. He does not turn to everybody around him and say, watch out, there's there's terrible leprosy here. There's dread disease. Everyone take cover. Jesus moves towards him and he reaches towards him and he touches him. Jesus, in that moment, has made a commitment to this man and to everyone around to do something staggering, to bear the ostracism, to bear the contagion, to bear the uncleanness for the well-being of this man. He will take it. One of my best friends here in Franklin in ministry and he works globally in mission. Lived for many years in New York, very close friends with a number of people there who very dear to their family, including two physicians who during this pandemic died as they treated patients who were suffering with COVID-19. They gave their lives so those patients could live. Healing ministries, healing workers, health workers step towards these situations, whether they're in emergency rooms or surgeries or ICU units. They're the people stepping towards this because 
The ministry of healing in our world is a reflection of Jesus' own healing ministry that moved with compassion steps towards people. Jesus says, I will bear the ostracism. I will risk the contagion. I will make your isolation mine. Because in touching that leprous, that leper, Jesus is himself in that moment, in the eyes of his disciples and everybody around him, he is unclean. In the Old Testament, if a person came in contact with leprosy, whether it was a person or that person's clothing or that person's house, they became unclean. The holy became unholy. In a wild reversal of that entire worldview, in this moment, the holy touches the unholy, the clean touches the unclean, and rather than becoming, in that moment, unholy or unclean, the unclean and the unholy are cleansed. This movement of deep compassion is an action. Notice Jesus doesn't say anything first. He acts first. He touches him. That moment of Jesus reaching out his hand, as that crowd is watching, they see that hand go out. That was a profound prophetic moment of Jesus doing something. This action spoke. Father Damien, famous Roman Catholic priest who ministered to lepers and himself died of leprosy when he was serving the lepers on Molokai, said the reason he did it is that they might know that God has not forsaken them even if everyone else has rejected them. Jesus is God incarnate, the Word made flesh, and He reaches out. The God incarnate reaches that God hand to this broken man to touch him. And in touching him, He then speaks to him. The words follow the actions. Don't miss that. The words follow the actions. He identifies with him. He stands with him. He enters into his world of pain and suffering. He makes it his own. Jesus makes that man's suffering his own. His ostracism, his pain becomes Jesus' ostracism and pain in that moment in the eyes of everyone around who's watching, who cannot imagine for a second what's about to occur, who are stunned by what Jesus is doing. And then Jesus speaks, I am willing, be cleansed. Jesus, when he speaks, his speech is not simply teaching speech or advising speech, it's creative, performative speech. I am willing, be cleansed. Just say the word, the Roman centurion said, and my servant will be healed. Jesus said a word. And the one who is the Word and spoke the cosmos into existence speaks cleansing, and this man is healed. But the Word follows the action. Madeline Langell wrote, We draw people to Christ not by loudly discrediting what they believe, by telling them how wrong they are and how right we are, but by showing them a light that is so lovely that they want with all their hearts to know the source of it. Friends, 
Uh, this last year I celebrated 40 years of pastoral ministry. And in that 40 years, I've never ever seen anybody brought to Christ through the anger of a Christian. I've seen kindness open people's hearts to Christ. I've seen worship open people's hearts to Christ. I've seen friendship open hearts to Christ, but never anger. Jesus becomes the friend of the friendless. He becomes the one who identifies with that leper. And in that moment, there is this tremendous exchange that takes place. Here in Mark chapter 1, Jesus identifies with the leper. And that man's world becomes Jesus' world. That splagnitzomai, that visceral, guttural groan that's down in the Savior, will be seen again at the end of Mark when Jesus is hung on the cross. Jesus sternly charged him, verse 43, and sent him away at once. See that you say nothing to anyone. Go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for proof to them. There was a sacrifice that was needed for cleansing. That's the proof of real cleansing. There was a sacrifice that was needed. And Jesus became that sacrifice when he died on the cross. This man went out and told everybody what had happened. And it's very interesting what happens here. Listen to this. It says Jesus could no longer enter a town, but was out in the desolate places. At the beginning of this passage, Jesus is going into towns, and he's surrounded by people. At the end of the passage, he can't go into a town and has to be in desolate places. At the beginning of the story, the leper was the person in desolate places who couldn't come into a town. At the end of the story, he's with people and he's telling them everything. A great exchange has taken place, a great movement, a great reversal has taken place. Because in the cross and in the ministry of Jesus, Jesus steps into our pain and into our suffering and he makes it his own. And he takes the leprosy of our sin upon himself. God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's how Paul put it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Adding, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. To pick up Lewis and Eustace, the dragon's scales are gone. And plunged into the cleansing pool, we're made new again. How does that happen? In one covenant, the holy becomes unholy, but leaves the unholy in that state. There's no cleansing. But in this particular moment, the holy receives the ostracism, receives the contagion, receives it, but, but moves 
cleansing, holiness, righteousness, reconciliation. No more stigmatizing. No more alienation. No more separation. No more sickness and suffering, but healing towards the person who's been afflicted. This is what happens, my friends, in the cross. Jesus heals us. No wonder this text ends with these words. People were coming to him from everywhere. My friends, that's what I want to see happen in your church. That's what I want to see happen in our church. I want, that's what I want to see happen in our culture. We want to see people come to Jesus from everywhere. When will they come? When they see him touch. When they hear him speak. And he will do that through you because he has done it for you. Let me pray for you. My Father and God, I thank you for your great goodness and your mercies, which are new every morning. And now I pray with great gratitude, Lord, for the fact that you have moved towards this leper and you have cleansed and healed. That you have moved towards us in our brokenness and our fallenness and our suffering and in our pain and moved with compassion. Your heart overturned within you. You would not leave us in the state in which you found us. You would not leave us afflicted, alone and desolate. But you made our pain yours in the cross. And you bore our sin and you carried its penalty. And by your stripes, Lord Jesus, we are healed. So now, Lord, let all who hear this message who need to know that they are cleansed and they are healed, that all the leprosy is gone, that you are willing, you speak over our lives, be cleansed. Let all those who have wrestled and wondered, can I really be clean of guilt and shame and fear? Let them hear you say in their hearts today, I am willing. Be cleansed and make of each of us those who with you reach towards those in pain, those in suffering, to do so with vibrant and silent touches that are followed by the words of the gospel. And then, Lord, through the power of the gospel, change hearts and lives. And this we pray in your mighty name. Amen. And now, friends, the blessing of Almighty God be upon you. Thank you so much for taking the time for fellowship with me today. I hope to see you in person at some point. And I hope if you're in Franklin, Tennessee sometime, we'll have the opportunity to worship together. God's blessing be upon you.